welcome to the HP Podcast, your weekly video game podcast from handsomephantom.com. I'm Ben, and with me here, I gotta think of a new catchphrase. It can't be the beautiful boys anymore. It has to be like the handsome men or some kind of upgrade. Sure. Or do we keep the beautiful boys? I think as the new front runner, Ben, you must uh, pass the torch on the intro. We'll get back to that then next time. We need suggestions from the audience. Uh, the, the, the grizzly ghosts. I don't know. Okay. It, it could be something okay. along those lines. I'll tell you. It can't be the beautiful boys anymore because Dustin was trying to be, he was trying to emasculate us in the past. And by calling us boys, we need to be known as something, you know, more substantial. Sure. So we'll get back to that in the future. I was actually going to ask why it was, why it was always beautiful boys. And uh, and it was never handsome boys because, you know, handsome boys would make sense. I think it's probably because um, we didn't have like a large enough brain around, you know, to think of something like that. And now that you're here, <laughs> you know, tonight. Dropping that Canadian knowledge. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so with me is Brandon. Hello. And Dave. Hi. Dave, when I talk about you to other people, they're always like, oh, you mean Canada, Dave? And I was thinking before the show, does Dave think of us as American Ben and Brandon? Or does he just think of us as Ben and Brandon? Maybe at first, because like yeah. I would I would tell people about, uh, you know, my buddies uh, down in Butler and people mm -hmm. would say, what the fuck is Butler? Right. Um, but no, response. now you're just you're uh, you're the boys. You're the boys That's that cool. I see once or twice uh, or, or sorry, once a year or once every two years in this case. But uh, no, you're yeah. you're not you're not just the American boys. I can't. I can't boil you down to just that. You're so much more than that to me. Right. Well, almost like lovers or brothers. I think the reason... But not both at the same time. <laughs> oh, my God. I think the reason Canada Dave is Canada Dave to me is because he's the only Canadian I know. Mm. Not for any other reason. Is that... Really? Yes. Wow. Maybe that I've ever known. You're blessed. Knowing. Oh, uh, you met friend of the show, Duncan. He was also Canadian. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I haven't seen Duncan in some time. Hope he's doing well. Doing good. I didn't even know if he was still alive. Anyway, thanks <laughs> to, to everyone out there on the Patreon, the patrons of the show, for making the show able to happen. You can join us if you want over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Uh, we give you early access to the show. We give you HP After Dark a full month early as well. Uh, you can always join our Discord if you want to. If you are a patron, you do get a special badge telling everyone you're a patron. So you can glance at them with your superiority. But if you don't, if you just want to join up on the Patreon or on the Discord and just chat, throw around some some ball with the boys and, and girls. There's some girls there. Then head on over to handsomephantom.com slash Discord where you can join the party. You guys wanna talk about some news? Let's do it, man. I feel like it was at once a very slow news week and also a very full news week. It was strange because there's nothing that like blew my mind. It just kind of hit later in the week, maybe. Well, it did. It did. The first thing I wanted to mention, and because we had a review up for Biomutants, and we we talked in the past a lot about how great it was. Obviously, like, you know, it came out to some some mixed reviews, needless to say. Uh, our own Phil, Phil Nyman, gave it an 8.5 out of 10. That's a pretty honorable score. I thought so, too. And I played about four hours of it to do some capture. Phil played the whole game and really liked it, but had some mixed reviews. Anyway... The point here is, according to PCGames.com, PCGamesN.com, and a lot of other places I saw, including their own uh, Biomutants Twitter, the devs are basically going to 
patch the game soon with like reports of patching a lot of stuff, including pacing of dialogues, narrator settings, difficulty settings, video settings like depth of field and motion blur, loot and enemy tuning, as well as sound and combat. Now, neither one of you guys have played Biomutant yet, right? Correct. No, but one of the running themes I saw in the in the you know three or four reviews that I did see and uh, sort of go through was that narrator. So you play uh-huh. the game, Ben. What what is the deal with this narrator? So the narrator talks incessantly. Okay. Uh, basically, anytime there's any kind of dialogue, and even when there's not dialogue, the narrator's talking. Now, here's the thing: I feel like a lot of people didn't either know or didn't take advantage of is there are frequency settings actually in the settings where you can make the narrator talk as much or as little as you want. Right. And I know some people turned it down to zero and he, you know, he doesn't speak then. And other times he just like introduces the conversation and then stops talking. Or you can make him literally like, so the little other mutants that you're talking to in the game as, as the main character, the, the other one's, they don't speak like any language we can discern. And instead of directly translating it, the narrator is just like, they said that farmer Dan needs you to kill the rats. You know, I'm just, that's totally obviously just making it up. But basically he like, I mean, he's narrating, he's saying what is happening. And then you go, you know, you, you have some flashbacks and stuff and he talks through those, but you could make the narrator talk as little or as much as you want. That's weird to me. Yeah. So, if I have the option in a game, right, to turn a part of the talking off completely, yeah, what value does that convey to me as someone who is consuming this media that there is an option to turn it off completely? <laughs> I don't disagree with you. I mean, I think the difference is there's still the dialogue happening. Like, you can still read what he's saying on gotcha. the screen. He just doesn't read it out loud. Correct. I, oh, yeah. okay. Or, and then he, or he'll read it a lot less. And, and sometimes, like, you'll be having a conversation with an, with an NPC... And they're just like prattling on forever and ever and ever. I think it probably reduces some of that, although I didn't play it twice to know that know whether they were talking more than that hmm. before I turned it down. So that's one thing. I mean, they're talking about changing like a lot of stuff. And so part of what I wanted to talk about with the specific story is like they put out the game they wanted to put out. And yes, there are some things like the depth of field and motion blur, stuff like that that you can tune and even the looting system that you can tune. But like, how do you guys feel about people changing their vision after reviews come out? I think there's, um, you know, there's, there's bug fixes and, and stuff like that, which is, which is fine and great. And that kind of stuff needs to be fixed. But I think there's also, uh, there can be like a fine line, between quality of life adjustments and changes and sort of altering the artistic vision that the developer had in the first place. And I don't know, I think when you start changing stuff that um, sort of alters what those developers were going for, then you start to go down a really dangerous path. you know, you share this story with us and I, I was reading it and and I was sort of thinking to myself that um, I was thinking about Returnal. So like that game came out and people freaked out because like it's it's too hard. People can't progress. It's too much based on um, RNG and that kind of stuff. Um, but no one would ever think of, of like a, um, you know, an easy mode to come out for that game. So I, I don't know. It's just there's there's that really fine line between quality of life and actually 
changing the fabric of the game. Yeah. No, I'm going to push back one thing. When you said no one would ever think of putting it in easy mode, do you remember a little <laughs> game named Sekiro? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the world was ablaze with people <laughs> suggesting that they should put it in easy mode for Sekiro. Now, right. see, I agree with Dave, mm-hmm. but for slightly different reasons. I mean, it is a slippery slope here. Um, I think of games like Horizon. I think of games like God of War. And I think of why those games are so special Yeah, is because they are handcrafted. And I'm seeing the vision someone's putting in front of my eyes. I think that it is good to take criticism, but mm-hmm. I hate when game developers, you know, sure, it's great for people to get what they want in the game. But at what point is it no longer an experience made by the people making it and more of a suggestion box? Right. Um, so, I mean, I would hate to see something like that happen at this game. And, you know, I don't know if that's the road it's going down or if this is just like a temporary thing, but, you know, the game developers make the choices for a reason. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it almost feels disingenuous to change too much about it based off of suggestion. Like, is it even the same original concept? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I don't know that any of the the things they're talking about changing are going to change the game fundamentally. But there's also the thing like one of the one of the complaints and things they're talking about doing is like the enemy tuning, which makes me think that means like enemy frequency. And, you know, the, one of the complaints is like there's large patches of the game where you like you're just running across a field with no enemies. I really enjoyed that during the parts of those I played, but some people didn't enjoy that. And part of me wonders, like, well, were the devs like trying to get that fit in there? And then, you know, you've hit deadline after deadline and missed them. And finally, you just got to get it out. And they're like, you know what, guys, that's a great idea. We actually do want to put more enemies in there. We didn't think of that before when in reality, like that was in the plans. It just, you know, was one of those things that kind of fell through. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe when 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 players complain and you're already getting kind of a positive response too, it lets you do some things you wanted to do. Or maybe you find out, oh, yeah, you're right. That doesn't work the way we thought it was going to work. And you can make those changes. But I agree that taking too much of what the audience says and changing your game, the vision of your game to some extent, kind of kind of screws th- with the developer integrity to me a little bit. I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's any plans for for uh, this for Biomutant, but that is sort of one of the advantages of, of uh, DLC is like you can listen to some of the feedback you get about like, again, that fabric of the game. And, um, you know, if there's things people don't like about it, then, you know, you can make those adjustments some to, to some degree in, uh, you know, anything that comes out uh, post-launch. But, but yeah, I, I mean, the other thing that I, I kind of thought about, again, going back to the narrator is, um, Brandon, I think you played Monster Hunter World. Uh, I yes, don't know sir. if you did, Ben. 100%. Um, one, thing, one thing that people hated about that game, really well-received game, but was uh, people were really annoyed by the handler um she was the mission giver and uh, people just found her really irritating annoying she talked too much um so like imagine if they patched her out of the game a month after release like you wouldn't even think of something like that happening right um so and and they shouldn't have to because that's you know somebody created that character and put them into the game and they're an important part so i think you can just go too far with these things and i don't know if if biomutant's a case but you know maybe it's getting a little close yeah, I think I would like to know more of the intentionality behind these updates. To sell more copies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I feel like make it the way you want to. 
Right. And um, I mean, there's good feedback to take, right? Push like, it back. Like if people are saying, push it back like, if hey, you need to again. The, you know? the depth of field is <laughs> yeah. bad. Okay. Well, that's something. Yeah, you're right. We right. played this with blinders on for five or six years of developing it. But yeah, like other things, like maybe they, maybe they didn't want the loot to be plentiful. Yeah. Maybe they wanted you to have some Zen moments where you're just running through a field with no enemies. I don't know. Yeah. I think we'll honestly need to like report back on what exactly yeah that means for sure um to know for sure moving on the next news story businessinsider.com had a story this week and a lot of other places reported it too that netflix is looking to break into the video game business and we got this by way of a job posting actually that netflix is looking for a gaming executive to help it in its next gaming initiative I don't want to go too much into the actual story because a lot of it's just speculation. And of course, Michael Pactor, you know, said he thinks they're going to they're going to fail uh, at this. But I wanted to talk more about, you know, first of all, there's just that thing like Netflix is going to do is going to venture into video games. How do we think that looks? What do we think the prospects are like? Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? What kind of things could we envision? Go from there, I guess. Yeah. Well, first thing that comes to my mind is Game Pass. Mm -hmm. And I kind of see this twofold. You know, you could look at it in a way that is, you know, maybe they look at Epic. They got all this money. They see the idea of Game Pass, how it can kind of have some parallels to Netflix as far as the using of games and movies. And I'm sure they're thinking there's some money to be made there. Um, You know, I see it either that way or I see it in like, you know, I could see them uh, dumping a ton of money into a triple A AAA title and just completely massacring it. I mean, we see that in the video game space, just because you have money does not mean that you could do it right. right. Google Stadia is the biggest example of that, right. um, if you ask me. And I just really wonder what angle this is. A gaming executive, is this... I, you don't know. It's just speculation at this point. Right. But, you know, I mean... I guess if they got the money, I'm down to see what they can do, but you got to get the right people involved. Dave, what do you think? How do you think Netflix could roll out a video game service of some sort? Or are they not even going to run out of service, but maybe just video games? If if you asked me this uh, like three years ago in uh, in a pre-Stadia world, I'd, I'd probably have a clearer answer for you, but I, I just I just don't understand how they would do it. Um, I really am curious to see conceptually what they're trying to go after here because, you know, I think we've demonstrated that the world isn't really ready for mainstream game streaming. So, um, you know, I don't know if they're going to leverage their own platform to actually do some sort of streaming service. I just don't understand how that would work. Um, but if if part of the idea was actually selling some of their... Um, IPs or working directly with developers to to make like Netflix games that are running on PlayStation or something like that. Like that seems a little bit more feasible. Um, I think in the article it went into a little bit more depth about how Disney tried to get into the gaming service and then um, decided that it was easier to actually just partner with somebody to actually make their IP into video games and to and to you know print cash that way, but. I just I just don't how see how this how this could work again in a post stadium world. What is the biggest Netflix IP? Do we know that? Oh, original. The biggest Netflix original. You can even think of off the top. Stranger of your head. Things, Nar- Narcos, Str- Narcos, Stranger Things. 
I could see a Stranger Things video game. I mean, they have so many now, and some of them aren't even like like House of Cards was their very first one. And I don't know the exact way that came about. Maybe not the very first one, but the first real one that like everybody paid attention to. And I don't know if they like somebody was pitching a movie or a series and they were like, we'll take it. And then they just paid for it to be produced. I know that some of the other Netflix originals like under that category are shows that have been made maybe in one market and then Netflix grabs them and they have the exclusive rights. So they're able to name it like a Netflix original, which is it really a Netflix original if it was made before Netflix even had any piece of the pie? I don't know. Right. Yeah. But there's all those different things involved. Netflix has kind of dove into the space before they did. Of course, they did Bandersnatch. That's one example of what a gaming platform could be, I guess, you know, just a choice based system. They did that show. It was man versus wild, but it was man versus you or man versus wild. Versus, I don't know. But it, it yeah. was anyway, it was Bear Grylls. Uh, basically, again, it was just choice based and then, you know, like kind of a choose your own adventure thing. And then they did one other thing. Didn't they do a Minecraft? Yeah. Yeah. Game. Yeah. So like they've done some stuff, but like to me that just says like, why do you need a big gaming executive to do choose your own adventure? It's got to be more than that, what they're talking about. And my hope is if Netflix wants to get into gaming, they just buy a studio or create a studio maybe and just release the games traditionally. And maybe you have some form of that. But like if Netflix just wants to diversify their income, then sinking money into other verticals makes some sense. But if they're trying to bring a gaming vertical into the same platform. Like, first of all, I think you're going to lose a lot of the platforms you have. You're going to lose being able to play, play games through Netflix on um, Xbox or PlayStation, or I don't even know if it's available on switch, but you're going to lose it through that. You might be able to do it in your web browser, I guess, but I would imagine a lot of people are using their game consoles for Netflix and Hulu and whatever else. So I don't know. It could be interesting. could be nothing. Like, I don't know if the strategy is to, um, just bring more people into the ecosystem because they, they already have over, you know, like 200 million subscribers. Mm-hmm. Um, put that into context. The PlayStation 4 uh, sold just over 115 million units. So like how, how many more subscribers are, are you going to get? And is this going to be like a, if this is something that is standalone and they're going to have like a, you know, a video game streaming service you buy into, they send you a controller. Um, what are you going to have like a t- yeah that's because that's the my only reference point but do, do you have like a tiered subscription then where you have like netflix or then you have like netflix plus games that's an extra five bucks a month or um and that that sounds great again three years ago in a post stadia or pre-stadia world where you know we didn't realize at the time that that you know we just we're not ready for that yet technically right, yeah. So I, don't know. I think that honestly, we're going to see a really weird shift in video games in the next couple of years. I think that the rise of Twitch and the rise of esports has really cued in all of the clueless people to how much money is to be made from video games. Yeah. And I think we're going to see many more failed Stadia-esque attempts from big companies. And I don't want Netflix to be that. But if you're paying an executive, I mean, I don't know what that runs you. That sounds kind of expensive. So <laughs> for a company like Netflix, it's probably, you know, it's a couple hundred grand. Yeah. That's a drop in the bucket. So, yeah, well, you know, I, I mean, obviously that's all relative, but right. um, they're not going to work by themselves, though. It's just a thinker, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. At least we have Google Stadia promising to bring in integration with YouTube um, and you'll be able to jump into games with the creator. I'm sure that's going to roll out any day here. The next thing, NVIDIA this morning? 
Today's Tuesday. Today is Tuesday. It was sometime in the, first. In the last 24 hours, I think. NVIDIA announced the GeForce RTX 3080 Ti and RTX 3070 Ti. We kind of knew these were coming. We've got the 3080. We've got the 3070. We've got the 3090. We've got the 3060 Ti. I think they revealed the... Yeah, they revealed the 3060 Ti before they revealed the actual 3060. And now they're coming out with the 3080 Ti and the 3070 Ti. Uh, the first thing up is that... Well, not the first thing up, but basically the RTX 3080 Ti is going to be two times faster rasterization than the 1080 Ti, which, of course, for a long time was the standard, the industry standard for the best card out there. Uh, they can be faster with ray tracing and other different features enabled. I believe these are also going to have the option, the ability to have a, a restrictor chip or something along those lines that will actually prevent different kinds of mining. It, it can be done, but it's pretty difficult. And the 3070 Ti is going to deliver one and a half times more performance over the 2070 Super, which is like crazy because the 2070 Super is not that old and is still, you know, people are still trying to get the 2070 Super, let alone the 30, the 300 or the 3000 series. I, I don't want to cut you off, but that's my question. Yeah. Why come out with the next one if next to nobody can even get the first one? <laughs> yeah. I'm, no, no, no. I'm serious. No, I'm, I know. I'm a little bit out of the, the whole chip market, yeah. right? Video card market, whatever. I sound like an idiot. But um, why not just make more of the first one first? <laughs> you stumped him. You stumped him. <laughs> well, it's hard to explain because part of me totally agrees with you. And then there's the part of me that's the PC gamer that says you always need more power. Okay. You always want okay. more power. Gotcha. <laughs> like if they came out right now and said, hey, you know what? There's a so PlayStation's are, PlayStation 5s are still hard to find. Exactly. Yes. If they came out and said, hey, we can get you a PlayStation 5.5 or whatever that is going to be twice as fast and have better ray tracing. It's going to be about the same price as the card you can't get. Would you want it? I would be more angry. You would be more angry, but you would be like, well, I might as well buy it and sell my other one because it's still in demand. Oh, dude. So, like, I don't, I don't know if that's their strategy, yeah. but, like, if they slow down the technology, if they slow down things coming out, you're going to slow down the art. You're going you're gonna to bleed money on the R&D, yeah. I would think. I'm, I'm with you, Brandon. I'm not super up to speed on, on um, you know, all the new chipsets and that kind of stuff, but... Imagine um, sort Steve's of over here running a six seventy. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have Dustin's hand me down ten seventy yeah, right. uh, Ti I think, um, but yeah. I, I so flip the scenario a little bit and imagine if you did get one, mm -hmm. um, and the card that you just got like four months ago is officially out of date. Um, that I, I I don't know. I've never understand how that kind of works in the in the card market, but uh, well, because well, then you just re push the resale market, right? Because yeah. how many people that bought a couple months ago are going to want to try and push theirs off on someone else if they get a new one? You know what I mean? It it just creates a weird market, and the market is already so weird for these video cards. Yeah, know. that's true. Well, anyway, if you want to try to get one of these cards that make no sense to get hella fast, I mean, it's also I guess there's one sense that hey, maybe you maybe you've been unsuccessful in just getting a regular thirty eighty. They're all selling out, whatever. Might as well now. You might as well just try yeah. for thirty eighty. Yeah, yeah, like say. why not? Right. So like there is that market, but I agree true, with what you're true, saying. True. They'll be available for order. <laughs> no, 
they'll be listed for order on June 3rd, which would be the day this show releases to the public. Patrons have it early. That's two days from now for us. And they'll be available for $1,200 and $600 respectively for the 3080 and 3070 TIs. And folks, I'm going to let you in a little secret. If you want one of these, the best way to get one to to guarantee you're going to get one is to buy a bundle that includes one, like to buy a pre-built or to write code for a bot. Or to write code for a bot. That's probably outside the scope <laughs> of most people. Uh, the other thing is that uh, NVIDIA Reflex and Broadcast are both getting additional upgrades. Um, then also NVIDIA DLSS is getting a little bit of uh, a bump. Um, but those are both going to include those, obviously, as all of the RTX cards do. Anything else to say about the NVIDIA cards? I I know that you guys aren't necessarily always PC gamers, but a large portion of our audience is, and I like to talk about tech. All right. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Maybe maybe Brandon's right. It'll push more into the market and make the secondary market more, more lucrative. But it, honestly, I think about it, and I just like, imagine if they released a PlayStation 5 and a quarter right now. Yeah. How mad would you be? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I keep going back to. It's just that the the video card market is 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 not like consumer friendly i mean if it was everyone could get one so yeah well i don't think any of the the tech markets right now are very friendly because everything's so incredibly hard to get just by world circumstances and production pipelines and everything else are all broken so uh far cry 6 we saw the trailer for it last week uh, a little bit of an introductory trailer for it and Dave, have you played for the, any of the Far Cry games? Yeah, I've played most of them. Okay, and and Brandon, you've played four and five, right? Correct. Okay, I have not played any of them, but they've long been a game series that I want to get into. So this one, you guys are going to have to fill in most of the gaps here because I know very little about it. But regardless, we saw the setting is going to be set in. Uh, I don't. Did they actually say Cuba or is it a? No, it's fictional. It's, it's called fictional. Yeah, Yara, Yara. I think Yara. Okay. Yeah. I didn't think they ever really included real places, but they're very obviously inspired by real places. Right. So Far Cry 6 is going to be set in Cuba, <laughs> the fake Cuba. And uh, the the narrative director has made a statement, and I assume a statement, or I know a statement in response to the fan outcry that this game will be political. Now, all you have to say, if you've been following gaming news for any time at all, all you have to do is say, this isn't going to be political or this is going to be political and people erupt one way or the other. They're going to ha- they're going to freak out. Game should be political. Game shouldn't be political. Whatever your opinion is, the narrative director came right out and said that our story is political. A story about a modern revolution must be. So a little more light to shed on that. Uh, they said they were going to work with creators and co- collaborators for our team who can speak personally to the history and cultures of the reasons we were inspired by. Another way to get out of saying that this is in Cuba is inspired by. And then experts and consultants will examine the game story multiple times over during the course of the project to make sure it's being told with sensitivity. What do you guys think about sensitivity? Politics? Did you watch the trailer? Yes. They were shooting CDs at people. <laughs> I think I think that's the first thing we talk about the trailer. Go ahead. Okay. There, anyway, there, was go ahead. A wiener, there was a wiener dog in the wheelchair. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> it's so like, I don't know. Sometimes I just don't get it because. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. 
even if these have been fictional places, they've had very real type scenarios in all of them that have always made statements. Yep. So tell me how this is any different than any of the other Far Cries. Yeah. Um, no. Aside totally, from maybe primal, unless you want to make a statement about primitive man. Totally agree with you. And uh, I think Far Cry Four, that was the one with pagan men. That yes. was that was very similar in that in that it wasn't taking place in Nepal, but it was heavily inspired by that. And there were, you know, civil unrest and uprising and that kind of stuff. So this isn't the first time they've done this. But I think the issue that people had with the game is that. Um, this guy, Navid, I think his name is. Yeah, Navid Kavari. He, I think he came out first and said that this won't be political or it isn't directly inspired by Cuba. And then he he kind of backtracked or elaborated on what he was going to say. And it's just, it's it's been five or six days since this uh, trailer came out. And this is all we're talking about. And I don't think that's a good sign for the game, personally. But Yeah. I mean, as far as the trailer goes, I mean, to just sidestep that, I guess, for just a second, it looks exactly like what you would want it to playing far cry 5 i mean it just looks like more of the same but in a good way i don't i i I don't want to take away from it by saying that um but yeah i mean i just think it's such a weird thing to focus on specifically um when i thought it was a pretty decent trailer um and had some intrigue about it um but yeah i mean sure a game about an uprising it's probably going to uh, go one way or the other, correct? <laughs> you would think. Dave, Dave, you're right on that. Uh, basically, Kavari first said that we realize that it's a complicated island in our game. This is a, according to an interview that he did with The Gamer. We realize it's a complicated island and our game doesn't want to make a political statement about what's happening in Cuba specifically, or I guess he, you would say also what's happened in history. Uh, it's based on guerrilla movements around the world and throughout history. But then when he clarified on a blog post on Ubisoft's website, he said the conversations and research done in the perspectives on the perspectives of those who fought in the revolutions in the late 1950s, early 60s and beyond are absolutely reflected in our story and characters. But if anyone is seeking a simplified binary political statement specifically on the current political climate in in Cuba, they won't find it. I'm from a family that endured the consequences of revolution. I've debated revolution over the dinner table my entire life. I can only speak for myself, but it is a complex subject that should never be boiled down to one quote. Thank Boy, you. doesn't this game sound like a joy? Yes. I agree. <laughs> See, when you watch the trailer, no, nobody, you shouldn't be sitting there thinking, man, it's going to be political. I'm going to be, you know, people are going to be stuffing their opinions in my face. The Democrats are going to come after me and force me to vote for like. Dude, there's a gator with an outfit on <laughs> exactly. and a dog in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bro, I mean, like, I mean, yeah. And I hate getting so tangled in this because I genuinely think the trailer was cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it's going to shake out, but the past couple of games have been really solid. And it just sucks that this is what we're talking about specifically. I want... I want there to be more critique of the actual things we've seen so far. Um, and, the, and this is just perceived. Brandon, I mean, are you saying, are you, are you honestly trying to tell me that we should not try to cancel games before they come out? I mean, we, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I'm just confused. And it sucks too, because genuinely I am excited for this game and yeah. I wish it would have come out the original date. Yeah. Um, you know, I want them to have as much time as they need, but yeah, let's just move on from this 
clearly it's going to have some undertone. Every single game does. Right. If you draw conclusions long enough from the game Pong, I'm sure you could draw something. Um, so, <laughs> well, you know, that was about the USSR, obviously. <laughs> so like, yeah. And clearly, you know, not to take anything away from people who've suffered or anything like that, but um, sometimes just watch the trailer and think it looks cool. You right. Know? right. I, I don't disagree. And I mean, Dave's probably right in that people are upset that he backtracked on what he said. But I think the outrage came from the fact that when he said it wasn't trying to make a political statement, as in we're not trying to convince you one way or another or say somebody's good or bad or whatever. It's just a story about a revolution in this person's perspective. What people were upset about is that he, he said that. And then they were upset when he reversed it uh, or didn't really reverse it, but just clarified it, I think, in, from my perspective, the way I read things. But the reality is, if the game is political, if the game says uh, you know, the the uprising is justified and the Cuban government is wicked and corrupt and there should have been all sorts of uprisings. And that's the game they wanted to make if that's what they made. So like, I don't have a problem with that either. Now, maybe you don't agree and maybe you don't see it as black and white as that, but like, it's a, it's the game's intent. So like, let the artistic vision speak for what it is. And if you don't like it, don't play it. Yeah. I feel like it's pretty simple. Amen. Check out Pong. It's pretty good. Pong is pretty good. Yeah, that's a story about the USSR and the space race with the US going back and forth and back and forth. And sometimes there's a miss. It's gripping. Yeah, it's it's incredible. We can find a way to get offended by it, I'm sure. Uh, absolutely. I'm offended by it. It's, it's only black and white. That leaves no room for... Moving on. Uh, <laughs> there is a new bio. These are, these are kind of quickies here, but of course we always turn quickies into longies just the way we like it. New Bioshock game is set to potentially use Unreal Engine 5. Now, as you know, from obviously the hundreds of episodes of this show you've listened to, Handsome Phantom, we're kind of fans of Bioshock. As, a, as an outlet, a Bioshock game will get a 10 out of 10 from us, regardless. Do not send <laughs> okay. us the game for review, because we will be biased. No, yeah, sure. I was going to say, you were insuring it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, don't send it to us if you want a great score, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> But basically, we get this news, uh, and this comes by way of Games Radar. Bioshock 4 could be using the Unreal Engine 5, according to a new job listing. The recruitment advertisement for a senior gameplay programmer at Cloud Chamber. Cloud Chamber, of course, is the studio where Bioshock is being developed now. No longer in Ken Levine's uh, camp. It's owned by 2K and being done under there. Mentions up at Epic's Unreal Engine 5 specifically that the candidate should work within, quote, work within. Unreal Engine 5, adapting existing systems and building new technology in order to fulfill the project's technical needs and creative goals, in quotes. So, not a lot to say, obviously, because we don't know a ton about Unreal Engine 5 except for, you know, what we've what we've hoped and desired. We, we literally don't know anything about it. One thing we might know is if they're hiring for a senior gameplay programmer, maybe they're not that far along past an original concept. But what do you guys think about Unreal Engine 5, Bioshock 4, and what do you want to see out of the Bioshock series moving forward in general? Um, I think that we know some about Unreal Engine 5, don't we? Like the ease we, of the yeah. developers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we do. We don't have any, correct me if I'm wrong here, we don't really have any major AAA games that have been released on 5 yet. Not, yet, Not to no. my knowledge. Yeah. Um, But... No, I remember hearing a little bit about the engine itself um, and some of the things it's done to help developers. 
um, to ease their process and make it easier and more efficient. And I don't know. I I really don't know how to feel about it being solely in 2K's hands. But I mean, Epic has a good engine and they have for a while. Um, And so this comes as no surprise whatsoever that they would pick an engine that was really popular. Um, And I guess it's just good to know. It's good to see. Even if you know and assume that a Bioshock will come at some point, this is more tangible proof that it is at least one step closer. Right. One year closer. 10 years closer. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I mean, not a whole lot I have as far as thoughts on this. I mean, there's not a whole lot to go on, but I guess it's encouraging. I don't know. Dave, what do you want Bioshock 4 to be? Where's it going to be? Where's the setting? (sighs) Um, Space. Space? It's going to be Starfield. Where else can they go? Underground. Well, they, Um, they went underwater. They went in the sky. Underwater and sky. On the ground, like a normal person. Just a regular, <laughs> it's just fallout. <laughs> but without I don't know, the what, radiation. What, yeah. what, maybe you could have like a, a dimension hopping. Well, they kind of already did that. Um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, honestly, space is the... See, we don't have the the, the creative minds that you need to, to work on uh, a Bioshock game and really... Um, kind of figure out a, a creative and cool place to play a game. So we are, we are far too feeble to, to, to figure this out, but I don't know, Ben, do you have anything crazy that uh, comes to mind for? No, this is why I work for a development company that makes twin stick 2d shooters. There you go. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But system shock was, uh, was in space, wasn't it? And that was Ken Levine before Bioshock. And a lot of people say like, you can't play Bioshock without playing system. Right. I don't disagree. I don't agree. Dude, obviously. Are they going to do a return to form? They're going to do a new System Shock. I don't even know who owns the rights to System Shock at this point. That's who, a good question. Does? What if uh, Bioshock EA. 4 was on like uh, like a massive moving train? Mm. The whole game? That also, sounds, yeah. that also sounds familiar. <laughs> I like that. I'm thinking these would be slashed down at the board meetings, Dave. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but <laughs> I don't like the train. I'm going to be honest. What was that movie? Was it, was it Snowpiercer? Snowpiercer. Snowrunner's a game that we'll talk about later. Uh, Snowpiercer, though... That game was, or that movie was on a, a, a moving train, a, like a penal train, right? Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. I think, I think regardless of where it's going to be, we're going to be disappointed, right? Like as much, even though I just said we were going to give a Bioshock game of a 10 out of 10, uh, it was obviously a joke, but like Bioshock, it's almost like part, part of the fun. I mean, part of the game is the setting. The game is nothing without that setting. Bioshock is nothing without Rapture uh, or Columbia. There's really no, it's fun other than that, but like the setting makes everything. So I think regardless of where we go, it's going to be disappointing, but you're right, Dave, probably space or on a moving train or inside a volcano. Like it's gotta be, it's gotta be, one it's gotta of those be things. something. Yeah. Western Pennsylvania. Western Pennsylvania. That would be, I will be the consultant for the game. That's <laughs> pretty close. Hire me 2K. That's pretty close um, to being a, a, a fallout 76. Yeah. <laughs> close know? enough. Anyway. Yeah. Pretty, pretty close. That's a game that took some cues from their audience after it came out and made improvements, and now it's mm-hmm. what better a- than ever. Adding NPCs, just adding, <laughs> like just making the game work. Just one a night. game. Can I you guys, can never... you guys, can you guys put a game into this game, please? Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I say idea. that every, I say that every time I bash seventy six. Yeah, but I will never forget that they added a Fallout game with no talkable NPCs in it. Oh yeah, that's crazy to me. Yes, 
that is batshit crazy and i will never forget that yes i agree sony confirms that uncharted for a thieves end thief's end is coming to pc uh they had a presentation a financial presentation last week and of course they're going to talk about all their upcoming plans so that their investors know what's going on they said that pc games or releases are or releases on pc are planned and a thief's end would be coming to pc sometime in the future now i didn't catch any follow-up from this this is uh you know they've said that p- the games are coming to pc more and more and we've speculated that and said that for a long time seen it happen in a couple of cases but I don't know that they actually said that or if that was just one of the graphics that they pulled in. Uh, but it seems pretty likely that that's one of the games that's going to be coming to PC. Guys, are they going to bring Uncharted 4 to PC without bringing the original trilogy? Is I that going to happen? I was just thinking that. I'm thinking to myself, you know, a little bit of a blind spot. I put, I played the first couple, but I have not played 4. Yeah. But assumedly, why would you bring the last entry Aside from the DLC, the standalone DLC, which one was that? With the ladies? I know what you mean. I can't say the name of it. Good um, Lord. Um, Lost Legacy. Lost Thank Legacy. You. Thank you, Dave. Um, why would you bring the last mainline game in the series to PC without the others? Right. That seems a little weird to me. I I would love for them to just do a whole package, man. Why not? Sure. Release all four on PC. Maybe they, they will. buy it. That's what I'm saying. And this is what they're doing. And we've talked about this before and many times ever since they put Horizon. They're just milking these old games. And I think it's the best way to make money. Everyone's happy. It can be exclusive for a while. And then you make money on it when it's done. How many more copies is Uncharted 4 going to sell on PS platforms? Not many. Not many. <laughs> They've given I it can, away like six times. Yeah, and I can get it for 20 bucks anywhere. Right. And you know, yeah, like, yeah. Like they've made their money. This is such a smart thing to do. And I can't wait to see what they do with it more. Bring Bloodborne to PC. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know, something. A tale is all this time. Just churn it. Yes. Keep churning the money, man. And then everyone's happy. Yes. The people on PC get it. And you make money. It's a win-win. That's right. And then those people who play on PC see Uncharted 5 come out and they're like, oh man, I got to get a PS5. I got to buy it. Yeah, you do. That's the strategy. That's the strat. PS Plus games for June have been revealed and are now live. We've got Virtual Fighter 5, Operation Tango, and Star Wars Squadrons. Dave, any of these you're looking forward to? Um, I have played a bit of Squadrons, and now that it's free, I'd like to play some more. Uh, and Virtual Fighter, I have not played a fighting game in a long time. And once again, this is free, so why the hell not? Yeah. Brandon? I played Squadrons once and thought it was the one of the least fun games that I had ever played. Yeah. Um, and I am not like an ace combat guy. I'm not like a flying guy, but I have dabbled. I played the Battlefield games, which have flying. Um, and I enjoyed that. I really did. Um, and even some of the older Star Wars games had some space combat, um, but it just didn't do anything for me whatsoever. It felt more like a chore playing this game to me mm. um i certainly would like to try it on my ps5 yeah especially now that i have the opportunity to do it because i have playstation plus mm-hmm. um but this is completely uninteresting to me yeah um i would have almost rathered anything else um, so <laughs> you're like just give me like a blues clues game dude you no know? that'd be yeah. just give me bug snacks again 
That's right. Again, <laughs> please don't. Please actually don't yeah. ever give me bug snacks again at all. Yeah, and the other ones, I mean, honestly, I don't know a whole lot about the other games. Um, if they don't have like uh, a spark in my mind right away, right, I would assume that I wouldn't be interested in them. But I mean, who knows? They keep putting out good things. Just because they miss one month for me doesn't mean that the other ones are good. So for sure. And this is going to appeal to a different audience than I think the three of us probably primarily. Dave, I want to clarify something you said. You said you'd played a little bit of Star Wars Squadrons and you were going to play it again now that it's on PS Plus. Do you did you buy it? No, no. Uh, friend of the show, Duncan, um, he bought it at launch. OK, and so I played it a little bit at his house, but um, I got you. Yeah, it's it's I, I totally understand what Brandon's saying. That is a game that I think would have had much more mass appeal if it had a third person view. Oh, yeah. Uh, Agreed, I, dude. That, I think that's that's, what... that's something that uh, a lot of people sort of uh, that's how they reacted when the game first came out. But, you know, the developers came out and said this goes back to the Biomutant thing. That's not the game we wanted to create. So right. totally get that. But I can so- totally see how people wouldn't really get into it. It's very rigid. It would yeah, also it put place. it a lot, put it, make it a lot more difficult to put it into VR if it was a uh, third, per- third person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Dave, I wanted to ask you, uh, we, we didn't do, we didn't play It Takes Two together as a couple, uh, as, as we should have, but the tagline for Operation Tango <laughs> is It Takes Two. And basically it's uh, Operation Tango is a co-op spy adventure and you have to work with a buddy. And I think basically anywhere you buy or play the game, or if you buy the game, you can invite a friend to play with you for free. Do you want oh, me to buy the game? Somewhere. Do you want me to buy the game for you, Ben? Or did you want my invite code? Is that what you're getting at? Is that what you're dancing <laughs> around here, sir? <laughs> that is what I was getting at. I was going to ask you. We we weren't like we didn't play It Takes Two together, but maybe we can still have a romantic rendezvous in Operation Tango. That sounds good. All right, cool. Make it happen, boys. All right, Battlefield. I know we're all Battlefield fans here. Is getting a new game reveal, presumably Battlefield Six. On June 9th. Boys, what do we want to see from the next Battlefield entry? Modern. Modern. That's all I need. Yeah. Yeah. I really do think they're going to go back. I really do. Because the last two have, I I would assume, have underperformed Mm -hmm. um, as far as number goes. I think Battlefield 5 definitely did. Numbers go. And in, you know, in conjunction with Call of Duty, I think it's so strange that now we're going back to World War II for the next Call of Duty again mm-hmm. and Battlefield's coming up. I honestly, I can't say for certain, obviously, but I, I want this to be the year that Battlefield knocks it out of the park yeah. and Call of Duty trails behind. Brandon, because, you, sorry, um, you're, you're, you're the, uh, the, you're, you are the Call of Duty correspondent in my life. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll anoint that to you. So, is it fair to say that the community is is sort of fed up with um, Cold War? Um, I would say no, no, okay. no. Um, I would say that it's going on the standard cycle. It always goes on. Um, there's usually a massive following for the Black Ops games and a massive following for the Infinity War games and the you know the Modern Warfare games, and they just tend to kind of be a different crowd and people fall off sooner from one than the other like that's what i've seen time and time again um and introducing sledgehammer back into the mix after they got kicked off of cold war i think is such a strange choice and i don't want to make this about call of duty necessarily because i know we're talking about battlefield but i think that bringing it back to modern in the same year call of duty is going back to old 
is going to be advantageous for them. That's all I, I really was, do. That's all I was going to suggest is um, I think maybe uh, Call of Duty players are, are ripe for the picking right now. And I think if if uh, EA and DICE sort of make this move eloquently back to a modern time, that they could really um, see success. And say what you will about the last couple entries of, of uh, Battlefield, but they have been, uh, from a value standpoint, very, very um, longevity-focused games. Um, the weird thing about Battlefield is I think Battlefield 1 will have a, a stronger player base much, much longer than Battlefield 5 and maybe even Battlefield 4. Um, so, I mean, these are games that are supported for years and years and years, unlike Call of Duty where you're expecting, you know, an annual entry. So right. uh, I'm very excited for this. The funny thing about this trailer that's coming is uh, most of it has already leaked in screenshots yeah. and somebody actually stitched together all the screenshots and you can watch the trailer in GIF format. Right now. <laughs> oh my God, bro. The internet is a crazy place. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Um, there's no limit to the amount of things people can do if you give them time. Mm-hmm. All I'm going to say is if we're not getting Bad Company 2, just go ahead and reboot it. Uh, just scrap the game, start production over. Oh, dude, but no. <laughs> Battlefield 4. Literally just like copy-paste Battlefield 4, but yeah. like take it through the roof. Right. And that's what people want. I'm yes. telling you yeah. that that's what I want. And, you know, I, you know, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I've seen a lot on the Internet and a lot of people want Battlefield 4. Sure. Again, I, I jumped back into Battlefield 4 late last year. I think it was like $10 on PSN and that game still holds up today. It's and great, there's, a, dude. there's a lot of people playing it. It's so good. Yeah. Last week we saw uh, Sony State of Play. This one was centered all around Horizon Zero Dawn. What's the name of the game? Forbidden West. Forbidden West. <laughs> <laughs> no, not Horizon Zero Dawn. Horizon Forbidden West. Guys, what are you? Are you pumped? Are you ready for the game, Brandon? You told me you only watched a couple minutes of the trailer and you knew you were in. Yeah. Dave, did you play Horizon Zero Dawn? I did. Did you like it? No. <laughs> oh my. Okay. okay, let me. I I've tried Where's the to disconnect button. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Is there I've, a boo button? Boo. I, I've tried <laughs> to um really get invested in that game uh twice now, and I always seem to conk out at around the 11 hour mark. Um, okay. it's a great game. It's a really really good open world game. Uh, I don't think it does a whole lot different than a lot of other open world games. Right. Um. But th- that's fine. I mean, it's 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 a great, great game. Um, and, the, and the issue I had with the original Horizon uh, primarily was the the combat with other human enemies was just so clunky. And those enemies were so tanky. And compared to the fighting of like the mech dinosaurs, it was so unenjoyable. Um, but the good thing that this new trailer showed off was that they seem to have completely revamped that um, that part of the combat with other humans. Um, so I was really happy to see that they featured that really well. There was these cool like anime moves and these cinematic like movements of the cameras when you're fighting another enemy. And uh, yeah, so uh, despite me not having a great time with the original, and I'm still going to go back and try and finish it before uh, Forbidden West comes out, um, the trailer has me pretty hyped for this. Dave, have you gotten far enough in Horizon? And maybe you know this from other ways, but the things that people would consider spoilers, the 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 twists in the game. Uh, I think so. I've watched people stream it and stuff, okay. and I've seen the end of the game and, okay. and all okay. that. So then you know. Okay, yeah. 
that that adds a little bit more intrigue to me just to find out more about where the story goes there yeah um but i'm always down for more aloy i love aloy Mm -hmm. and uh the yeah it looks promising and i'm i'm excited to see what the new tech is like obviously we're getting this on ps4 as well which probably is good for sales numbers but a little disappointing for ps5 owners but hey, I think it's still going to be a great game. It looks great. What is what is the one thing you want Aloy to be able to do to have learned between the last game and this game that she has not done yet? What skill or ability or I don't know. What is it? Um, For me, I, I'd like her to shoot lasers out of her eyes. <laughs> I'm just happy she's actually carrying her staff now yes. on her back yeah. and it doesn't just pop out of her, you know, anus or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know where it comes out of whenever she swings it, but it's okay to have equipment on the character's back at all time. That looks appealing mm-hmm. and I'm happy about that. Yeah. And even though I didn't watch all of the trailer, it was purposeful. And let me tell you that I saw just what I needed to see. Yeah. Um, the beautiful handcrafted graphics the decima engine looking better than ever um and i am not concerned at all that it's on ps4 yeah because i saw what the first one looked like on ps4 and how many years ago that was and the capability of the engine and how things render and you know i watched five minutes of that trailer and i'm like man i'm in i'm in yeah you know it gave me a a a tiny bit of story and it's just it's beautiful, dude, and it plays well. And I could tell that just by watching it, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited for it. I'm uh, I'm all in. You know what I never did play, though, is the DLC for Horizon Zero Dawn. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, that's what I've I like it a lot over and over. Yeah, but now it, that it's like it's free now, right? I don't know because I bought it. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it I was, have it now yeah. because it, it was free there for a yeah. while, so part of the stay at home initiative gotcha play at home play at home initiative was it frozen frozen wilds or something frozen wilds yeah i'll jump back in and play that probably i might play the whole game again before zero dawn comes out which or not zero dawn my (laughs) lord Uh, forbidden Forbidden west West comes out And, and you know for all we know we've got a year to do that so we'll see no release date as of yet but xbox and bethesda have confirmed that they will have a combined showcase on june 13th their first showcase as you know, basically one of them owns the other one. There still seem to be operating independently, but we're going to see a showcase. We've seen some teasers. We've seen some leaks, but we don't still 100% know what's going to be shown there. You mean Bethesda Soft? Bethesda Soft. What did I say? Micro Bethesda? <laughs> I was trying oh. to think of something witty. Um, well, Bethesda Soft is a name of a company. Oh, is it really? Well, oh, shit. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. I thought it was great, Brandon. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just slow. It's fine. <laughs> what do you guys think we're gonna see i mean we're gonna see if we don't see halo infinite the i mean literally the world will explode fallout 77 fallout 77 and a half probably um now we're definitely gonna see more halo um they've been trickling out screenshots yeah. and they've actually looked much better um i went from being astounded by the last time they presented something like in a bad way yes yeah in a bad way to being intrigued. Yes. The screenshots are looking good. The armor's looking good. Yes. I don't know. I feel like this is going to be a big turning point for the game itself and the hype around the game. Because I feel like a lot of the enthusiasm was curbed by the last presentation. And I think they're looking to hit it out of the park. At least I would hope they would be looking to do that. Yeah. Um, 
I would hope to see something of Starfield, even if it was 15 seconds of something instead right. of just the name and a logo. Will we get a release window? Probably. I would say no. No. I would say no. I would say they do, you know, The Last of Us 2 reveal where it's like, this is a little <laughs> tiny itty bitty nugget of something. Right. It's coming at some point. Right. Because the Bethesda fans are fucking starving. Yes. Um, and um, obviously Skyrim on PS5, the re-remastered yeah. um, will be out next year. Um, Triple remaster backflip. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I definitely see a big Halo push. Yeah. Um, hopefully starfield and i would like to see something new i really would um but i don't know from bethesda i mean specifically Dave? um i feel like for the past two years two three e3s we've just been waiting for microsoft to explode they've yeah. spent all this time and money gobbling up all of these um all of these you know renowned studios they've now had a good amount of time to work on something and show us stuff that we haven't heard of before, whether it be new IPs or sequels. Um, so, I, I mean, just thinking about the stuff we know exists, um, I'd love to see Fable. Yeah. Um, but I'm with with the two of you. I, I want to I want to see things that I haven't heard of yet. But I don't have an Xbox uh, Series X yet. I really want to buy one. I know I will eventually for Halo, but um, this um, this will be a success for me if after the show I immediately go out and try and buy one. So, so you will not. You're not going to try to play those games on your PC. No, no. I told you, I, I'm not a. I'm not going to go. I don't want to um, upgrade my my computer. I'd rather just have the actual box. I want that. Um, right. So no, I I, I really want to get excited to to buy an Xbox. And nice. again, I think they're, you know, I think they're poised to to really make a splash this year. And um, yeah. So that was that was my thought as well, Dave, is that, you know, they've been building this hype around them buying and acquiring new studios and talking about projects they have ongoing. And we've heard tale of how many games are in development and all that kind of stuff. And I wonder if not only we're going to see some of those things that we don't even have an inkling of that some of these studios are working on, but also will we see will we see Bethesda's kind of habit to announce a game and come out with it three months later? Will Xbox pick up any of that? Will they? You know, I'm, I, I just I'm just curious, is Xbox going to take any inspiration from that of let's not tease our games out four years ahead? Their recent track record would make me think they can't do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, unless something has changed drastically behind the scenes. Um, you know, your boy loves a shadow drop as much as the next guy. Um, but. You know. I said this would be a turning point for Halo and they're trying to make a splash, but I'm with you guys too. It just them in general mm -hmm. is going to be big for them. Um, and after the strange launch of both of these new consoles, I think they're trying to make a statement and I would hope they would. Yeah. Um, you know, competition is good for everybody. I want those IPs. I want to feel like Dave feels, mm -hmm. but I don't feel that way yet. Um, and, you know, I'm, I could be convinced. Yeah, I really could. It, it, I'm teetering on the edge of at least buying a Series S. Um, I very much know that it will not get the use it should because even my PS5 doesn't get the use it should, and I prefer playing on it. But I'm just I'm just playing on PC so often. But mm -hmm. I agree. If Halo's not good, the world will explode, and my tiny 11 year old brain will come to the future 
and punch me in the face for ever being excited <laughs> about anything ever when, again when halo was so good originally yeah. Speaking of games that have gone through a little bit of development hell and nobody's ever really been sure if that's ever going to release, Dying Light 2 Stay Human is going to release on December 7th. Now, uh, this bleeds into a little bit of our what we've been playing, but I bought Dying Light, the original, the deluxe edition was like, I don't know, $15 or something. Came with Call of Juarez and some other stuff, all the expansions and everything, maybe even a season pass for Dying Light, the original. So I never played that game initially. I just jumped into it and already like a couple hours in, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm ready for a sequel already. And I've just started playing this game. So are you guys excited about Dying Light? Are you are you fans of the original? I, I didn't play the original, um, but they had that big reveal uh, like two years ago or uh-huh. it was a long time ago, the Dying Light 2 reveal. And that's what got me hyped. Um, funny enough, this this sort of reinvigoration of Dying Light 2 uh, happened last week, uh, same time as Far Cry 6, our same week. And uh, honestly, if you put those two games together, I'm not even considering Far Cry 6. Dying Light 2 looks so intriguing. Wow. I can't wait to play this game. And I haven't wow. even played the first. So Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. As someone who's played the first, um, my view on this is that it will get to 7. A 7? Yes. Yeah. I think that this will be mediocre at best. Between the incredibly early hype they tried to push and the clear development issues they faced since then, has there been any talk recently or anything? I just feel like how they pre- how companies present these games is telling to me a lot of times. Yeah, and I feel like when it's weird like this is and it's quiet for a while and then something drops all of a sudden and now there's a release date. Yeah. That doesn't uh, surefire sign mean to me that it's going to be meh, but that kind of means to me that there was something going on that we don't know about. Um, You know, maybe that's the release of a new console. I guess that wouldn't be the worst thing and the worst indicator, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess I'm excited for it and, and, you know, I'm hopeful, but I really don't think this is going to make a splash if I had to guess, but. I think if anything, it'll be the success story of the studio that everybody thought was about to fold. Yeah. Cause I mean, they have, they have definitely gone through some development hell type stuff. So we'll look for it later this, uh, later this winter. All right. Uh, the rest of the show, pretty much we, we try to keep the, the main show mostly about news and industry happenings, but I do want to get into a little bit of what have we been playing? So if you're not interested, if you don't give a shit about what we've been playing, then leave. And if you do, <laughs> then we want you to stay but you know i know some people aren't into that so brandon yes actually actually dave i think you're the one who has the most different from brandon and i oh brandon and i can kind of chime off of each other uh but what have you been playing first dave um so i just uh finally worked up the courage to pick up demon souls on ps5 um i've i've got a weird relationship with the souls um series in that uh i've probably watched the every single game in the series from start to finish uh on twitch and youtube and stuff because i'm just enamored with them but i've never really had the balls to play them all that much so um demon souls is it's not quite my first foray into the series but uh i am i am very green uh so i'm playing that uh i'm still playing through you're enjoying it yeah yeah it's uh it's great but um uh still playing and loving outriders that game just scratches an itch and it's so easy to pick up and play 
uh, and keep playing, whether it be for 30 minutes or two hours or whatever. Um, and yeah, and I just wanted to give a little shout out to a game I reviewed uh, last week. Uh, I'm not quite playing it now because it's not a game that you play for too long, but it's called Sizable um, from Business Goose Studios and a guy named Sander Ambrose. Uh, this is a it's an indie puzzle game it was really really cool you can finish the game in two and a half three hours uh it's so creative uh so imaginative so uh ingenious and uh i think you can pick it up on steam right now for like less than ten dollars um i've got my review of it up on the site it's called sizable uh sorry for the plug but um yeah i thought I, i wanted to quickly mention that game so how dare you plug a review about our own website <laughs> how dare you band <laughs> cool yeah i see you also on your list you had Mon- monster hunter rise oh Did yeah monster hunter rise um okay. no not really i i've been playing that game since launch the new update just came out and uh i haven't quite played through it yet but yeah it's really cool every month they go in and they add uh, a batch of new monsters and some new gear and stuff and it's all completely free um so yeah monster hunter rise if you're if you're into the series and you haven't played it yet i think it's fantastic on the switch um i've got about 60 or 70 hours in the game and i think uh the vast majority of that time is i've been playing in handheld mode in front of my tv when i can play docked i just think that series is great on handheld where it was where it was pretty much conceived so yeah monster hunter rise check it out before we get into Brandon and I, something I realized we didn't include in the show because there's no news to include, but there may be by the time you hear this, uh, Brittany, you mentioned about playing your Switch. Just, you know, Switch Pro reveal. Yeah. Supposedly coming soon. Supposedly we'll see it before E3 so that people can announce their games are coming out on it. I don't know if that's true. We've talked about the Switch Pro extensively on this this video game podcast called the HP podcast that we have, but that is out there so keep your eyes open if you're not already yeah the buzz is definitely kicking up mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you guys buy oh. this thing fuck no uh i wouldn't have bought it <laughs> probably before but my son has been very very into the switch and he's asked me multiple times if he can buy it and i've tried to explain to him like hey you can only you can still only play this when we let you and he's like yeah but sometimes like if you go somewhere you take it with you and i can't play it and, and i would be like whatever so he wants to buy it from me. I'll, of course, give him a significant discount because he's seven years old and doesn't have a lot of money. <laughs> but he wants to buy it. And so if a new one comes out, I'll if I can upgrade, you know, for 200 bucks or whatever and sell him mine for 150, 200 bucks, I'll probably do that. Yeah. Because one, I like new toys. And two, he really wants to have his own switch that he paid for with his money. So gotcha. that's a good reason. That's yeah. Nice. I mean, all I need is a justification. I don't really need it to actually make sense. Yeah. Cool. In a world of PS5s and Xbox Series Xs, yeah. I think that the Switch for the type of gamer I am um, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Is there a BuzzFeed um, quiz? What kind of gamer are you? <laughs> I think that, um, yeah, I, I just have no need for anything to look any better on the Switch than it already does. Yeah. Um, not for paying money anyway. Um, and it's not where I game the most. Right. So... Um, that's the biggest factor there. Uh, but I guess we'll see, man. For but, sure. Brandon, yeah. What have you been playing? Uh, honestly, mostly Destiny 2. Ooh. Believe it or not, um, I this has been a curse on my life. Um, <laughs> Destiny always somehow manages to slither its slimy little fingers back onto my life. Yeah. Um, I've played hundreds of hours of this game and I somehow keep coming back. 
Um, but they got me the vault of glass. I want to try it out and it's going to take some time to get there, but I think I'm willing to put in the effort. And Brandon, um, you, uh, I, I believe you mentioned in the handsome phantom discord, join our discord and our Patreon, patreon.com slash handsome phantom that you, <laughs> did you just start playing it on PS five or? Yes. Okay. So is that, that, honestly, that has made it insanely more enjoyable. Interesting. 60 frames a second, solid, solid 60 frames. And prior, uh, you know, to me getting the PS five and a new TV, I didn't have HDR. So I'm playing it with the HDR as well. Um, and it just looks great, man. It looks great. It plays great. Um, and it's just so weird to be in a game that I've played hundreds of hours on and still have no idea what the fuck I'm doing because I haven't played it in six months. Um, it's a very strange feeling to not know what's happening. Um, after having sunk so much of my life into it, but here I am. Um, I do want to briefly mention, not that this is like incredibly topical but the uh the dlc in the season pass is a little weird to me have mm-hmm. you have you seen it ben it's kind of expensive i'm a little bit upset about it it's always been that way for Destiny. yeah i know yeah. and and that's part of the reason i'm upset about right. it is because i have sunk so much money into the right. dlc and now they want me to pay 50 bucks if i want the season pass and the new dlc that will take probably two or three hours to beat for 40 bucks. My bigger problem is that I bought previous DLCs and now some of that content just doesn't exist anymore. That is, Mm. and (laughs) I'm okay with the philosophical idea of getting rid of the content that lets people play and making it run better and smoother and, you know, allowing for more experimentation by the developers. But the part I'm not okay with is I'm not really ready to sink money into beyond light, which has been out a while, I know, but I'm not really ready to, to buy a new DLC and so there's content that I can't play with that. And there's content that I've paid for over multiple times that I can't play anymore. Not to mention the game is free by itself and I paid for it too. But <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to be salty about that part because I actually like it when people make games that are successful and good, able to be played at a lower cost. So, you know, I get that. But yeah, it, I am a little, I don't know if I'm salty, but I'm kind of like, well, I, I did really like doing this one particular strike or this particular right. planet and the way it looked or whatever so yeah, yeah that's a little yeah kind of crappy i've also been playing destiny 2 just to interject uh very little but ever since we talked about doing the vault last week i've been working on it brandon what level do i need to get to minimum 1300 1300 minimum okay. but um i think the soft cap is like no anyway yeah 1300 well i'm like i'm like at 1117 right now so okay. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on my way <laughs> yeah 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 and and you definitely want to be be above that to yeah. make it easier but yeah. it's just going to take some time and um yeah i mean i guess that's all i've really been playing i finished the season's battle pass for cold war mm-hmm. um i've popped into Warzone a couple times i don't want to spend too much time on it because it kind of is old news but i guess it is relevant because it's always changing right um I'm really pleased with Warzone at this point. Yeah. Um, the meta is almost open. Um, there are definitely standout guns, but Warzone has not been more balanced, um, maybe ever, Yeah. than it is now. Um, and that's really cool to That's good because the biggest into. problem with Warzone is between is either hackers or stale content or, um, you know, I guess, that it's not balanced. It, right. it goes along with stale content to some extent. So it's right. good to hear that it's, it's more balanced. How are the hackers? Are they better now? Yeah, no, they said they banned 
like yeah. hundreds of thousands of people or whatever. But, yeah. you know, it's like the serpent head. You cut one off and three more pop up. Right. So, yeah. For me, I mentioned Dying Light that I've been playing it and I've only maybe got like four or five hours into it at most probably, but I'm enjoying it. I like it a lot. It's a game that'll probably be a bit of a slow burn for me because it's not really a new game that's time sensitive. I mentioned by mutants, uh, Phil's review went up last week. I did the, uh, editing and VO for that. And then a little bit of capture as well. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I only played like four or five hours of it. So maybe the game gets stale or changes dramatically after that. There are some flaws with it, of course, but Phil did really enjoy it. Like I said, he gave it an 8.5. A generous 8.5. A generous 8.5 for sure. You all know I'm I'm uh, just getting into this brand new game I never heard of called Sea of Thieves. So playing <laughs> that a little Christ. bit. Uh, if you guys ever want to play, you know. Do, just, do they just, pay you? you? Uh, I wish. <laughs> I'm, just I wish. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I wish. <laughs> uh, talked about Destiny 2. Knockout City is a new game that released last week. It, the only way I'm playing it, I would have never purchased this game. And it is free right now for like a week, I think, to play. But it's part of the EA Play Game Pass attachment whatever so that's why i've played it i've probably played for like two hours and uh, at this point i have deleted it off of my pc because it is no longer for me but it is so basically if you don't know what knockout city is it's a dodgeball game where you're running around dodgeballing people in the okay. face dude i heard someone talking about this what a strange concept i mean it's a strange concept and at the same time a tale as old as time right you hit people with balls, well of like, course yeah. like, like rocket league almost it's not like I mean it's it's like Rocket League except you're not in cars and you're not driving and you're not hitting each other with cars. So everything but the cars part <laughs> and the, the fact that there's balls. It, I, it, I feel like we're already spending too much time on this. It has yeah. a ball, so it's very much like Rocket League in that way, Dave. Um, <laughs> I could I could see Knockout City being one of those games that you play while you're watching a TV show and you don't have time to get into anything narrative or fun. You just want to play something that's not fun. Uh, you could play Knockout City. So if you, if you want to play a game that's not fun, yes, then Knockout that's, City that's, is the game for you. Those are specifically the words I said, Dave. Oh yes, absolutely. <laughs> You're really selling it. The last one that we haven't ever talked about on the show that I know of is called SnowRunner. It's on Game Pass, uh, which is where I'm playing it. And SnowRunner basically is a game where you drive vehicles and deliver things from place to place and like open up new areas by going up to... Um, high up on structures that let you see out over kind of a la Assassin's Creed with the Eagle. Uh, basically you can, you get different vehicles and different vehicles help you like go through different terrains and deliver these materials. I've heard it described as a very Zen game. Like it's a game very much that like you could just zone out and just kind of truck along for a while. I'm really enjoying it. The little bit of it I've played. The only thing is that there are parts at the very beginning, you know, like every game where you're just grinding and everything that and you're just doing fetch quests and whatnot at the very beginning it's like you get this little beat up truck and you're in basically a a bog full of mud and just like the first couple hours of the game you're just like everywhere you go and everything you do you're just struggling i'm just like spamming the w button trying to move forward and adjust so like that's a little irritating to me it actually made me put it down twice but it does seem like a very fun game with upgradable stuff but there's you know it's not it's not going to blow your mind or anything. It's just like a, a easy to digest, simple game where you're just driving vehicles around, dropping stuff off. Nice. It's free. That's why I'm playing. Yeah, I was going to say, if you have Game Pass, check it out. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, I like it. It's just 
it's one of those games that like oh, i got 45 minutes to kill here before i go to bed or something like that might as well hop into this game that's kind of how knockout city was until i uh completely obliterated it from my pc so i think everybody's got to have at least one zen game yeah yeah if there were other games i mean honestly i probably should if i weren't so far behind in destiny 2 i'd probably make it my zen game because i don't need the narrative for destiny i've tried too long to catch up on the lore and never got it but it's even one of those it's even like time periods where i don't even have time to open destiny's client and get into a strike or something like yeah you know, I'll do. There's that. a four hour video I can send you about the lore if you like. I would actually love <laughs> Is that. Is it only just... four hours? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. That's all we've been playing. That's every bit of news we possibly could have imagined. Uh, no, probably not. Actually, I'm sure there are things we didn't cover. Anything to say? Anything? What's what, what's your plans for the rest of the night, Dave? Uh, I I'm maybe I'll play bed. some uh, some Demon Souls. Maybe oh, that's hell yeah, yeah, bro! Did you beat the first boss? Yeah, I just beat the fourth boss, actually. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Move it along. Hell yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. Have you guys both you... played and beat it? I have not beaten it. I have played a little bit of it. Okay. Yeah. I have not beaten it either, but I I have probably played about half of it. Cool. Dave, yeah. I am very much with you. Uh, I didn't mention earlier, but on the Souls genre, it very much intrigues me. I love watching people play it, but I've just never been able to get into it other than Sekiro which I also didn't finish which is unusual for me I usually finish my games but Sekiro I also did not finish Hmm. but enjoyed all I gotta say to that is get good yeah oh I don't not play them because I'm bad (laughs) although I am bad I just there's just something about it that just doesn't click with me yeah but I want it to and I'm really thinking that uh uh Bloodborne if it gets a patch if I can play it at a higher frame rate and faster loading times that will be the game that's the one everybody says. If you're not into Souls games, play that game. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Reminder, patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Sign up for ad-free early access. You can get our undying love and a badge in the Discord. Depending on the level you're at, $1. $1 gets you early access. $3 gets you early access to HP After Dark. $5 gets you early access to our love. Join the Discord if you haven't already. Go over to handsomefandom.com slash discord and you'll also earn like not our undying love, but just like a small portion of it. Okay. Yeah. A very, a, a very small portion of it. Some appreciation. Some appreciation. Yeah. We'll probably say like, if let's pretend like your name is, is John, you come in and we'll be like, Hey John, what's up? John's a cool name. And then it'll go like hours without anything. And then you'll just become one of us. So that's pretty much how the initiation process works. There we go. On our discord. Guys, I think that's it. I think that's all for the yet-to-be-named, newly-born, beautiful boys. Okay. Okay. I like it. All right. Until next time, everybody. Night. See ya. The HP Podcast and HandsomePhantom.com are supported by our proud patrons over at Patreon. If you want to support the show, head over to Patreon.com slash HandsomePhantom. The following members are producers of the show and are at the $5 level. Adaholic, Passive Pixels Edwin Castillo, Fusebro, Boots, Ali C83, Poot, Jared, Felix Check, Josh Cummings, Edward Walton, Stewie108, Charles Peterson, Toby Ryland, Straw Hat Ninja, Josh DeBerry, Michael J. Sutherland, Jared Cavaliero, and Jason Canham. <laughs>